the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hello, Bay Area, and welcome to my show. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. I uh, had a great show last week with Nancy Batterman, CEO of Options for All, which is a local nonprofit that works with and helps developmentally disabled adults, um, helps them with job skills to find jobs and also to um, find housing and pretty much generally help them get as integrated as much as possible into the mainstream society here in the Santa Clara Valley. If you didn't catch that show, you can go and uh, go to the podcast page at kdow.biz, B-I-Z, and click on last week's show. I think it's worthwhile. Just as an aside, they're presently looking for research and development space that has offices and warehouse space in the back where they can build a studio to do uh, film productions, um, Inclusion Films, which is a company started 10 years ago by Joey Travolta, who is the older brother of the actor John Travolta, uh, works with that organization, and they actually use members from um, Options for All in San Diego to assist them with the various production aspects of television and film production. So they're training them and teaching them how to do it so that they can get jobs in that industry. Well, they're going to be bringing that up here to Santa Clara County, and they're looking for space right now to build out their studio. So if you know somebody that has R&D space in the Santa Clara Valley here that has offices and warehouse space where a studio could be built, uh, email me at radio at lawbob.com and let me know so I can pass that on or go to optionsforall.org and contact them right through their website. They would be delighted to hear from you. They're looking to try and bring this up here to Santa Clara Valley uh, in late fall, which by my watch and calendar is not too far off. So if you can help out, and especially if you have space like that and you already have more money than you know what to do with, and you're looking for some tax write-off, maybe you have space you could donate to this fine organization to help them out. So again, contact me at radio at lawbob.com or visit optionsforall.org and let them know through there. Now, if you'd like to call today, the number is 800 
516-1220. You can always call, and I'm happy to talk with you on the air. I want to let you all know that uh, coming up, basically, let's look at the calendar here, coming up next Saturday and the following Saturday, that's uh, October 6th, and then October 13th, I will be having my Living Trust Seminar in my office here in San Jose. You can visit lawbob.com for instructions on how to register for that seminar or go to eventbrite.com and look up the Living Trust Seminar and you'll be able to find out how to register there. Space is limited, but I urge you to come. It's a great seminar. People enjoy it. They learn a lot. And I I make the promise that they will, uh, time will go by fast. They'll learn a lot and they will be entertained. So come here and see if I can fulfill my promises for you and your family. Picking up from a couple weeks ago when when I talked about various situations that come up around the state of California that come to my attention through various networks that I belong to, let's talk about some more things that I've seen that have come up. Here's something out of Santa Cruz. Someone asked if a will was made in New York uh, 20 years ago, but the executor, that's the person named in the will to handle the estate, and the deceased lived in California for the last 10 years, where should we get attorney? And then it says the will also says the daughter is the successor trustee. Does she have more rights over and above executor rights? And where should we contact an attorney? Well, if the person who died died as a resident of California, then you should be administering the trust and will if it's necessary here in the state of California, even if it was made back in New York. That's because you typically uh, do a, a, a will in the state where the person resided when they died. So here I think they should probably be getting an attorney um, in Santa Cruz County. Presumably that's where the people lived or where the person lived. And if there's a successor trustee, so there's also a trust, if everything is pretty much owned by the trust, it's likely that the will is not even an issue uh, unless there's assets that need to go through the will, through the probate code or the probate court, whatever is necessary to get them into that trust. Now, here's someone that says, um, I have a special needs trust set up by my parent years ago, and it looks like there's a house in that special needs trust. The person said, I had to sell my home as I could not manage financially due to my disability. Can I have the title company write the check to my special needs trust so I do not lose my medical insurance? I live in California, and the trust has been ongoing since 2011. My parents started the trust. Well, it's kind of a confusing question because it's not clear when the person said, I had to sell my home. Do they mean the home that they own in their own name or a home that was in this trust set up by the parent? Uh, If it's a trust that's set up by the parent and then it's sold, well, then the proceeds of the sale should go back into that special needs trust set up by the parent. And if that's the case, it would not be available to this person who's the beneficiary, and it should not impact their medical insurance in any way. If somehow they're owning a property themselves that um, maybe is not counted as an asset of theirs, 
Maybe they're qualified for Medi-Cal, for example, and they own a personal residence, but now they have to sell it because they can't afford to keep it. They can't take that money and stick it in a special needs trust that was set up by the parent because that would be commingling or mixing up the parent's property left in trust with the person's own property. And and if they sell their house and they no longer have the house as an exempt asset, it's likely that the state would say, you know what, you may lose your Medi-Cal benefits because it sounds like Medi-Cal is the program that's involved here. Very confused situation, and it just points out that, first of all, this is not the kind of question you want to have answered by someone just posting somewhere and hoping an attorney answers you. That's the kind of thing where you need to go in and sit down face-to-face and go over all the legalities and all the issues about what can and can't happen if you own property and you're getting government assistance for your health insurance, things like that, and you also have a special needs trust set up by a family member. Here's a quick one because we're very rapidly coming up on the first show break today. Um, Sister's mom's caregiver... Nobody has a problem with that, but sister's also the executor of mom's will. Here they say executor of a trust. I think they mean successor trustee of the trust. Can that family member be the caregiver and also the successor trustee of the trust? The answer is absolutely. In fact, an immediate family member caregiver is very, very common. Uh, Where it might get more problematic is if the caregiver is not a family member, and they're also the successor trustee of the trust, that could actually trigger some real issues. So um, they might want to look into that. So we're coming up on the first break of the day. After the break, I will be coming back and going and covering more of the questions and comments that I have from around the state. So until after the break, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you then. Bye-bye. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Let me continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Here's a situation out of Woodland Hills, California. And the person wants to know, let's see, a parent had a trust and they had three brokerage accounts that were not listed as assets of the trust, and the accounts don't have any beneficiaries named what we call a pay-on-death or transfer-on-death beneficiary named on those accounts. This person says, I'm the sole heir and the successor trustee of the trust. However, my sister, who was also a beneficiary, passed before I distributed the trust. And, and, And the question is, should I file for transfer of ownership into the trust or file as an inheritance for these three different brokerage accounts. I think what the person's asking is, do I have to go through the probate process to get these brokerage accounts turned over to the parent's trust, or can I go to the probate court and petition the court to request that the accounts be declared part of the trust without going through the whole probate process? The latter is what's called a Hegstat petition. After a court case, 
um, basically involving someone, interestingly enough, or coincidentally enough, by the name of Hegstat. And the Hegstat case basically said if you have a trust and you have uh, real property or real estate that you own, and in the trust you declare your intention that it be part of the trust, but you never get around to actually transferring the title or ownership to the trust, you can still support a claim that it's actually trust property. And the Hegstack court found that, yes, you can do that, and the court can order that property to be distributed to the person's trust after they've died. Technically, it also works while someone's still alive but incapacitated, but it usually takes place after someone's died, and the family finds out that there's assets in the person's individual name, not in the trust name, and they need to get it into the trust. It's typically done using a schedule of assets that lists that property, maybe an assignment of assets that covers the type of property. Maybe it was a house that was in the trust taken out to refinance, very common, and then they forgot to put it back into the trust. Or it's something acquired later, a house purchased later um, that was never listed at all. But there is a will or a pour-over will, we call it, that directs that property to be turned over to the trust after the person's died, doing whatever is necessary in the probate process to accomplish that. In Santa Clara County, uh, having just a pour-over will is sufficient to get that property owned by the person who died, the decedent, into their trust after they've died. The key is everybody whose interests are affected pretty much needs to agree that that's the result we want to have happen. So if the family's all on the same page, here in Santa Clara County, you could get that done by a petition put together, submitted to the court called ex parte. Ex parte means no formal hearing date set. Everybody says, hey, we waive any hearing. We waive notice of a hearing. We consent to this petition. And judge, we ask you to sign an order declaring that this property in the deceased person's name is part of their trust so that we can just handle that property and we don't do the whole probate process of nine months, 12 months or longer. So that is uh, something that's fairly common. I do a lot of those in my practice. If you're facing a situation like that where mom or dad just died and you're now in charge of the trust and you find out their house is into the trust or they have uh, expensive bank accounts or brokerage accounts, more than $150,000 total value. And if you're in Santa Clara County, uh, give me a call. I can certainly help you out with that because I do those all the time and I know exactly how to do them quickly and efficiently and get that problem resolved for you sometimes in as little as one week from the time you contact me. Okay, let's see. Moving on here. Let's see what other interesting ones we have here. Oh, this is one I'm sure that does come up now and then. There's property that's been placed into an irrevocable trust, meaning a trust that can no longer be changed. And this property, it's a home and it's paid for. There's no existing mortgage. But now the people in charge of that trust need to access cash and they want to use this house as collateral for that cash. So the question is, the property's in an irrevocable trust. Is it possible to get a HELOC 
or home equity line of credit. If you've ever heard that term, that's what a HELOC is. Can we get a HELOC on this house that's in this irrevocable trust? The answer to that is a very definite yes, no, or maybe. Um, Most major commercial lenders would probably not loan or give a HELOC on something like a, a house in an irrevocable trust. They might do it if the house was a rental property and you could demonstrate here's a stream of income that could be used to pay back that the uh, monthly payments on the HELOC that you use. Um, but normally a HELOC is is done by a homeowner. Um, that's why it's home equity line of credit. Um, there might be a line of credit that could be done that's characterized in a different way by a bank. You might have better luck going to a credit union as long as this trust maybe opens an account at the credit union. They might be willing to work with you. But in general, it's harder to get any kind of a loan on real estate in an irrevocable trust if the trust doesn't have, like, income from salary or wages but only has income from rental property uh, but and may not even have rental income. So it's a great question And it's one that's going to be very specific probably to where you live, the lenders you talk to, and whether or not it's something they would actually entertain. Now here, um, I'll have one more question here I'll talk a little bit about before the uh, break at the mid-show. By the way, you can uh, always give me a call at 800-516-1220 if you'd like to uh, talk about something or ask me a question on the air. But let's go to this one here. Question, can you hire a third-party trustee for an hourly rate, or do they charge a percentage of the value of the trust assets? And then how do you find a third-party trustee? The short answer is a third-party trustee that's a corporate trustee like a bank probably is going to charge a percentage, maybe one, one and a quarter, up to one and a half percent of the value of the assets on an annual basis. We do how. Here and do, however, have here in California licensed individual fiduciaries whose job it is to act um, to help people like this that need a third-party trustee. They typically charge hourly for their time, uh, different rates for them, for their staff people and everything else, much like attorneys or accountants would do. Uh, they tend to be much more cost-effective. But you have to kind of look around. You could look under licensed fiduciary where you're at, do a search online, and you'll find a list. You can find out their certifications, their qualifications. Many of them actually worked in the public guardian's office in the county where they now have their own independent business. So we're coming up on the mid-break of the show. Hope you're enjoying it so far. After the break, we'll continue on with more questions and comments. Until then, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll talk to you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Here's a question out of uh, Orange County. Uh, Someone wants to know, how do you find out what's in a trust that uh, their parents set up? 
both parents are deceased. Mom recently passed uh, August here in 2018, so that looks like roughly a month ago. I've had no contacts with my siblings or my nephew who did have contact with my mom. I'd like to know what I can discover or how I can discover what's in the trust. Well, short answer is this. If you have someone, um, a child, uh, who is the direct heir of somebody, if their name does a beneficiary in the trust, they're entitled to receive a copy of the trust document from whoever has taken over to handle the trust. That's a requirement in the probate law, section 16061.7 of the probate code which requires that a notice be sent out to um, all of the beneficiaries of the trust and that they be given an opportunity to get a copy of the terms of the trust um, and also the uh, the notice. Uh, generally, you want to send it out to anyone who is the direct heir, like a child, even if they are disinherited. You want them to get the notice as well because um, they're entitled to know that they were disinherited. So that would go out. So this person, it's been a month, uh, not hearing anything yet is not unusual. It takes a while to kind of get up to speed on trust administration. But what the person should consider doing is contacting the siblings and uh, and the other family member and saying, look, um, is there a trust? Is one of you the trustee? If so, I'm letting you know formally that I want a copy of that trust so please do what you need to do to make sure a copy of that trust gets to me. That way they're at least put on notice that there is, um, there is a request that a copy of the trust be provided. Now here, okay, this next one. This is something that is near and dear to me personally because it's the kind of thing I worry about with my own children uh, growing up getting married, and running into a situation like this. This is a fairly long situation, but listen carefully. You might be in this situation. You might have a family member or friend in this situation. Or you may say, huh, I was in this situation, but that was in the past, but I don't want this to ever happen again. Here's a person. We'll call her Jane. Jane said, my my husband... Jim hasn't worked for a while and has gone through our savings and his inheritance in trying to start a business. He keeps spending without regard for the fact that I feel he should have worked and at least send a, set a limit on how much to spend on his business before saying, I got to stop this. Currently, he has us living below poverty level to keep his dream alive. He has all his credit under my name as I'm a co-owner of his company, and I used to manage a consulting business for him as a contractor to not conflict with his normal job. Now, here in the state, no matter what I do, all of the debts incurred in the community are mine, including the business debts. We did incorporate, thought that that would protect us if the company ever was to go bankrupt, but now the bank says we're personally liable. Let me tell you why that's probably the case. You're probably personally liable because even though you set up a corporation, the bank, in order to make loans to you, probably required personal guarantees from the people setting up the corporation, saying, hey, if your corporation fails, we can still go after you personally for the money that your company borrowed from us. 
That's not unusual at all. But here's the kicker. Jane is due to get a good inheritance when Jane's mom passes, and the inheritance she wants to be for her, not for Jim's business and not for his discretion to spend. Jane and Jim have a trust, but if if Jane puts the money in their trust, Jim can take it and spend it. If Jane sets up a separate account under his own under her own social security number, well, it can still be accessed by the debtors, uh, by um, by the creditors of her and Jim, and which means that even if it's her separate property, it's liable for community debts because she has the debt too, so she can't protect that. And if that happens, then I may not have any money to even pay for food or a mortgage. Uh, because effectively, what's mine becomes his because we owe all these people. Now, would setting up my own trust protect my inheritance? I'll tell you how to cut through the whole thing. Your mom, if your mom is still mentally competent and able to do it, you have your mom set up a trust to leave the property to you in trust with special terms and conditions, what I call building a castle or castle trust planning for the inheritance from your mom. Your mom has to do it. She has to have a trust created that will leave the property in trust for you with limitations on how it can be used, which is to just benefit you or maybe you and your descendants. But it makes it explicit that none of it is for uh, is for Jim, the husband, and none of it is for Jane's creditors. This could be done. I do this all the time for my clients. I've done it in the estate plan for my, my two daughters. My daughters may have heard about them. They're 10 years old. They're twins. And I don't trust the boys that want to marry them someday. And this is the kind of thing I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about someone who marries a daughter of mine, and then they spend all of her inheritance or expect her to support them and not work at all, I don't want anything I leave to one of my daughters to be lost because of their in, because of being in a bad marriage or because that person runs up debts for the marriage and now makes potentially makes all of her inheritance liable for those debts as well. So this one has an easy fix if mom is still competent and mom's willing to take the step to set up a trust to leave the property in a special way in trust for her daughter so that her son-in-law can't destroy her daughter's inheritance like apparently he's destroyed his own inheritance, pursuing the dream for a business that is never going to go anywhere. So here, ah, here we go. Here's someone, gosh, this kind of stuff comes up more and more. As more and more couples live together and don't get married, but they just cohabitate and then they start families, we're seeing more and more of this kind of stuff coming up. Here's a couple. They had nine years living together with three kids, currently expecting one more baby from from him. He, well, let's, we'll just call him uh, the husband, even though they're not married. Husband passed away last month. His parents don't want to give us his life insurance. So let's talk about that. Uh, Don't want to give it until the kids turn 18. I need it to support us in the meantime. 
Uh, we depended on him financially, we ne- and he never changed the beneficiary because, gosh, no one thought he'd pass away at 30 years of age. They want to know, is there a chance that as the kid's only living parent, I can administer the money for them? Well, it, it kind of raises a lot of questions there, but did did he have a will naming his parents as the guardian for his children Uh, for anything his children received from him. That's question number one. Were his children named as the beneficiaries on his life insurance? Sounds like he didn't name her, his partner, as the beneficiary on his life insurance. Maybe he even named his parents as the beneficiary, and that's why there's nothing available to give to uh, to her, who is apparently the mother of his children. I mean, this is horrible, horrible result. There's no planning. No planning was done. Uh, people often assume they're going to live forever. No one expects to die at 30. Um, they could, even as an unmarried couple, they could have done planning and coordinated their planning so that a result like this wouldn't happen. But the likelihood is there was really nothing she can do to get access or control over that the life insurance proceeds, if he left them to his parents. If he left them to their children, she might be able to petition the court and say, hey, look, I should be the guardian because I'm their mother. But even that's not guaranteed. The court's going to decide uh, who's most appropriate to be the guardian for, for for those children's inheritance if they got it from their father. But it sounds like the kids weren't named as the beneficiaries. It sounds like their their grandparents were named as the beneficiaries, and that is a problem right there. I think that is going to actually be the issue that this family ends up having to deal with. So moving on here, uh, let me flip through and find, uh, uh, yeah, here we go. Um Okay, gosh, that one uh, that one's from a long time ago, so let's move into here. Here we go. I inherited money from Puerto Rico, uh, and a check is coming in my name. Can I be sued in small claims court in California by my siblings? Um, gosh, this is, oh, you know what? I'm going to skip this one because it's just, it makes no sense at all. Um Okay, if my brother died, can I, as his sister, claim um, the next of kin and his power of attorney? First of all, if the brother died, you can't have a power of attorney anymore. That can only happen when you're alive. My brother's wife had a daughter that was not my brother's daughter, and she's trying to say she's next of kin. You know what? We're coming up on on the break. I'll continue this after the break. Um, So stay tuned. I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seat. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back uh, for the last segment of the show today. 
800-516-1220 if you'd like to give me a call today. Before the break, I was talking about a situation where uh, someone indicated their brother died. Uh, Let me give you the facts. Brother died, uh, was married. Uh, The wife has a daughter that was not the daughter of the brother. Um, And now the brother's sister wants to know, can she claim... um, can I, as a sister, claim being the next of kin because the brother's wife is uh, trying to claim that um, that she is the next of kin? And I think that she's referring to is this wife's daughter. Well, first of all, if someone's married, their spouse is, and they had no plan in place, their spouse, and if they have a, if they have one or more children that are their own children, their spouse and their child or children are actually their heirs under the law, or next, next of kin's not the issue. Um, the, it's the intestate heirs, the people who would inherit under the laws of the state of California. If the brother owned property, dies, then the property would go to his wife under the law. If the brother had one or more children, if he had one child, the wife would get half of his property uh, unless it's property they own together, and then the wife would get all of the brother's share of the property they own together as community property. If the wife had separate property that he owned separate from the marriage, his wife would get half of it if the brother had one child, and would get one-third of it if the brother had two or more children that were his children, uh, and then in the first case, the wife would get half, the child would get the other half, or the wife would get one-third, and the children, two or more, would get two-thirds. Now here, kind of something, there's something hidden in this question here, which is um, the wife had a daughter that was not the brother's daughter. So that was a stepdaughter to the brother who died. That stepdaughter might be an intestate heir of the brother, even though not his natural child. Um, because if, and there's some very specific conditions, if the stepchild, if the brother intended to adopt the stepchild as his own child, but was prevented because of legalities from doing that, such as the child's actual natural father would not consent to that. So the brother was prevented and it was communicated, I want to adopt this child as my own, but I can't because her her father won't let me do that or his father won't let me do that. It's possible that under the law, that stepchild may be considered as the brother's child because of the intent and the legal inability to adopt that child uh, while the child was a minor child. So I'm assuming the child's a minor child uh, here. So there's a possibility that that minor child might actually be an heir of the brother as well. But I can tell the sister that, no, you might be the next of kin as in blood relative, but you're not the intestate heir under the law because your brother was married, and presuming that it was a valid marriage, his wife at a minimum, is going to be the one who gets his property. So here, um, okay, want to know if the step if my stepmother followed my father's wishes that she, now that she's passed. 
So it says, my father died. In his will, he left his house to his kids, but his wife was over everything. And according to the trust, she was supposed to sell the home um, and leave it in a trust for us. Well, um, if you want to know if your stepmother followed your father's wishes, uh, if she's the trustee now over a trust that your father set up that's leaving the property to uh, his children, she's obligated to inform them of that fact, give them a copy of that trust, and also not to do things that would interfere with their ability to inherit. So there, if there's a if there's a trust, it needs to start with the children getting a copy of the trust, and uh, once they have a copy of the trust, reviewing it to see what it actually says, what what they're supposed to be able to do or not do, what the stepmother has to do or doesn't have to do in reference to handling their father's trust estate. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I hope you've learned some things. I hope that. Uh, You've maybe heard something that triggers in you that there may be a need to uh, take care of some things in your own planning area. I want to remind you that I do have two Living Trust seminars coming up in October on Saturday morning, October 6th at 9 a.m. and on Saturday morning, October 13th at 9 a.m. in my office. You can register through my website at lawbob.com. Or you can visit Eventbrite and search for the Living Trust Seminar or even just a general search, Living Trust Seminar San Jose, and I'll show up in the Google results, likely in um, in the top 10 of the organic listings on Google. So I've had a great time today. I hope you've learned some things. Until next week, I want to urge you, uh, email me at radio at lawbob if you have any questions. You can also book a consultation with me through my website at lawbob.com. Looking forward to next week's show. Until then, this is attorney Bob Bergman signing off for the day. You have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.